0: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by TJ Ward at the 4 yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again on overtime media.
1: Mile High Hello everybody. Welcome another episode of the Dove Valley Thief Divers Podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And Eric, hopefully this goes swimmingly. We've uh, You guys got some wicked weather going on up there, knocking some service out for you. How are you doing, ma'am?
2: Uh, doing good. Um, yeah, I apologize for the late start. Um, about five minutes before we went live. I lost internet, I lost cell phone service, so I couldn't even contact Lance to let him know what was going on, but we have been dealing with some really strong winds the last about 24 hours, a little bit more than 24 hours, so if I suddenly go dead, I'm sorry. Um, I'll see you guys next week. Lance will carry out the show, but uh, it's the wind, it's the weather, it's something beyond my control. Um, if I'm able to jump back in, I'll, I'll jump back in, but uh, um, yeah, so... Nothing I can do about it, but I'm excited, excited to talk about the roster. Take your guys's question. That's going to be what the center of the show is. So get your questions in early, often. And of course, as always, putting. I know that it's hard to do for a lot of people, but it's always a guarantee to get your answer, your question answered if you throw, uh, add some stars or super chat it. And um, But uh, we'll get to all the questions we can. Um, those are just ways that you can guarantee we can get to it. Um but yeah, Lance, let's get into it with this this roster. I mean, we gotta say our hellos and our thing first. But uh I'm excited I'm just I'm excited to get into this conversation, even with the frustrating weather that I'm dealing with.
1: Yeah, man. And and guys, just know we've been dealing with some technical issues on a, a couple of different shows over the last couple of weeks. We are not fighting with each other. Eric and I are always good. If you can't hear me, that's one thing. If I can't hear him, it's another thing. So please, guys, just bear with us a little bit tonight. I want to say hello to everybody in the chat before we jump into this. And like Eric said, get all your questions in now. It's a great opportunity for you to post all your questions in. And again, like Eric said, if you throw some super chat, stars, donations, stuff like that, we greatly appreciate it. We will definitely get to those questions as well. But we want to say hello to Paul. We've uh, we've got Todd Moyer in the house, David Yunkin, Kevin Gray in here as well. Uh, C Chang as well uh, Zach powers. And right before we went live, actually about 20 minutes before we went live, Troy Boer jumped in here with a $10 super chat saying, Hey guys, excited to see the real offense. A quote from Brandon Johnson here, wide receiver, Brandon Johnson. Uh, I can't wait until he really opens up the playbook. I'm excited. Uh, Troy says, I also cannot wait. Have a great show. And thank you, Troy. Thank you for your support. We definitely appreciate that. Eric, uh, that's one of the big things about the preseason. Obviously, you're never going to run out there, really game plan, scheme anything up, scheme anything open. You're just out there, just really evaluating the performance. This offense is, I think, is going to be very exciting, and it's going to be a very run-heavy offense, but I think you're going to see some big-time passing plays down the field, man. I'm excited to see it. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with the defense. What we get from the offense and defense during the preseason, it's all the basic stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you are installing a new offense in a new team with a quarterback who's unfamiliar with it, like uh, unfamiliar with the verbiage anyways. Like, you're not going to go in there. You're not going to show every single secret. NFL coaches, they're very stingy. They don't want to put all their secrets out there for everybody to see in the preseason. And we probably won't even fully see everything in the first few weeks. I mean, they want to hold that stuff in for when the season gets, you know, closer to the playoffs, so they can make that push. Um, it was very basic stuff—a lot of high-low reads, crossing routes, depending on where the safety went. That was the basic passing offense there, and the running offense was pretty basic out, pre- pretty basic as well. So I'm excited to see how much growth this offense do- goes because we saw growth during the preseason mm-hmm. from, between game one and game two with the starters and the second unit. Um, so I'm excited to see with the first unit consistently out there, the growth that we get from week one to week two, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and a big thing that I'm really curious about, and Eric, I might need you to ha- to, to look this up and and come with some some actual numbers here. Pre snap motion, something that the Broncos have seemingly failed to be able to incorporate within their offense. I know Sean Payton was a heavy pre snap motion guy because it helps it helps your quarterback. Identify what uh, what defensive coverage is is out there. What they're if they're going to bring a blitz, how they move their their safeties, how they move their linebackers and stuff like that. It's a great way to identify man coverage versus zone coverage. So the Broncos this preseason they didn't really run much pre snap motion. They did they just went out there lined up in their base offense and just ran the plays that was that were called. When we get into this regular season, I think we're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion. And and I know for a fact that Sean Payton was huge, especially with Drew Brees, in terms of utilizing uh, pre-snap motion. I think it was like over a third of their plays. And like I said, Eric, you might have to look this up for me and and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I know it's like like 34 or 35% of the plays that that Sean Payton has called in his career have utilized pre-snap motion, which is something I'm very curious to see if that continues moving forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure about the number is out of his career. and trying to dig it up a little bit. Last year, the Broncos actually did pre-snap motion a decent amount last year. They were 12th in the NFL in highest percentage rate of pre-snap motion um, with a uh, sitting at 18.4%, which was actually 0.2% higher than the Chiefs. Um, So they did use it a lot last year and everything. And then with Sean Payton specifically, his team every single year of his career have bought have constantly been in the top 10 in pre snap motion from what I've been able to find and dig up, which isn't a lot. His highest was he was second in pre snap motion one year, and the lowest I've seen has been 10th, which was his final year with the New Orleans Saints in 2021. Pre snap motion has always been a big thing, and if I remember correctly, Sean Payton is one of the coaches that when I talk about pre snap motion and give my reasons why it's such a good thing, he's one of the ones that highlights it. Pre snap motion. Gives extra information to your quarterback in what the coverage is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty simple as that. And so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Denver is top ten in pre stat motion come regular season. And we don't see a lot of it in preseason from a from a lot of teams really, just mm-hmm. because again it's just basic install stuff, making sure you have everything down, making sure you have the basics down, and not wanting to give away too much like what last year if I remember correctly the highest percentage of pre-snap motion last year was like six percent in the preseason Mm -hmm. so
1: Mm
2: -hmm. don't see it a lot in the preseason in the first place
1: yeah exactly and uh, as U.S. Dave comes in here first time in the chat that I can recollect anyways U.S. Dave jumped in here saying a lot of fake just sweeps so that was more of a Pat Shermer thing than a uh than a uh, Nathaniel Hackett thing, but yes, absolutely. The the fake jet sweeps running Jerry Judy into motion uh, and not turning around and handing the football off to him. They did. Uh, I believe it was uh, against the the Dallas Cowboys a couple of years ago. They ran Jerry Judy on a, on a jet sweep, didn't hand him the ball, but they turned around and threw him, uh, threw it out to him in the flat in a bunch of open space, which was a, a great play for the offense. I'm not sure if I have lost Eric here at, at, as, as of this point, his uh, stream appears to be frozen. Uh, well, it's just his camera. Okay. It's so it's my camera. Eric, it, okay. I- I was gonna say, I, I, if you're if you're frozen, man, I'm, I'm gonna just kind of assume that maybe uh, maybe I've lost you. But yes, as as Dave says, the 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 fake jet sweeps, getting Jerry Judy in motion. I think you're gonna see a lot of that with Marvin Mims this year because he utilizes that speed aspect, um, getting him ahead of steam to really uh, get him going and get a free release off of the line of scrimmage to utilize that speed down the field is something the Broncos are gonna u- utilize a lot this season, which kind of piggybacks us nicely into going into this roster. First things first, though. We got Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Great supporter, always here every single night, throwing down some support, and we always appreciate Michael for joining us. And good evening, Lance and Eric on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Michael. We appreciate that. Now, Eric... You and I haven't actually got an opportunity to break down this roster yet. Obviously, it's Friday. The roster was released on Tuesday. I got to talk with Thomas Hall a little bit on Wednesday night, breaking everything down. I guess my one question that I have for you is what is the the overpowering criticism or reaction that you have to what the Broncos did in finalizing this 53-man roster over the past couple of days? Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered as the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL. Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos.
2: Uh, my initial reaction is they're not hiding the fact this is going to be a running offense. Exactly. They're, they're, they're not hiding it. Uh, granted, they still went with a little bit lower number with receivers than even I. Than, like I thought, obviously, every time I talked about it, it was six receivers just because that's the standard. I get going down to five because of it. But they're going with four with only three of them healthy. Mm-hmm. And they're going hev- with a lot of blocking capabilities. It's why Nate Adkins won the job over Albert Okwabanam. He's not as dynamic of a receiver as Albert Okwabanam, but they didn't need that. They have that in Greg Dulcich. He's going to be there. He's probably he's probably going to be third in the team with t- in targets from what I've heard mm-hmm. about Greg mm-hmm. Um, They wanted the extra blocker though. They're going. We're going to see a lot of two and three tight end sets, especially while Jerry Judy's out. Um, I mean, they're going to bring in a couple guys, but that was just my initial reaction. Is like they're they're going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball a lot,
1: right? And and piggybacking off a little bit here on the Jerry Judy comp, uh, conversation here, uh, they did not opt to put Jerry Judy on injured reserve with the designation to return, meaning that he would have yeah, missed was- at least the first four weeks. So that's my my one big takeaway of this is how soon is Jerry. Is Judy going to be ready to hit the football field after he had that hamstring injury not quite a month ago or so? Uh, How soon is he going to be able to be out there on the field? Are we talking week two or three, or is he maybe even going to start against the Raiders here next week?
2: He's most likely going to miss the Raiders game. Um, That was always in doubt, and it was never a situation. Obviously, he can suffer a setback with the hamstring injury. Hamstring injuries are tricky, but Mm -hmm. from what I understand, the plan has always been week two, maybe basically for sure week three they they were they were never intending they were never considering they were never seriously considering put him on the short-term injury reserve and it's the same situation with riley moss um if he was in football shape from what i understand he would be good to go against the raiders but he's going to take a week or two to get back in that shape and then have him back um which we'll probably see we'll we'll know when riley moss is getting ready to you know become part of this team like really become part of the team because those what 12 defensive backs that kept on it we're gonna see the numbers change there a little bit
1: yeah well it was, it was what 14 and i know they put k1 williams and uh pj lock on injured reserve with the designation to return uh k1 williams is gonna miss some extended time coming off of that ankle injury um in the surgery that he had right before uh roster cut down for finalized here uh, i believe it was monday was when he was uh w- when he went under the knife so potentially up to eight weeks missed for him, maybe even longer than that. There's talk that potentially, depending on what they had to do in that surgery and how he has to recover from that, he may miss the entire season from what well, I understand. So That's an update that I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't got updated on that. So Eric, if you got some more information, then please, yeah. please to, to, that.
2: To clarify that with the situation, because I, I remember talking to you about it. The situation mm-hmm. was depending on the surgery, depending on what all they had to do, is the, that was a determining factor if they put him on injury reserve before the roster before making the initial fifty-three man roster, so shut him down for the season. But since they kept him, it's a pretty good sign that they they expect him back at some point in the season, somewhere between eight week eight and week ten. You okay. know, just in time for that playoff push. So nice. expectation is, barring a setback, of course, that's always that's always something there with all these uh injuries. Colby C. Collier coming coming in saying ready for the season. I'm going to a college game tomorrow just to get in the football mode. Go Broncos. Um, what game?
1: Yeah I was that was my you know, first was question. What game. What game?
2: Uh, uh, make Um sure well, let us and, know and, and, uh, have a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Michael Ronquillo saying that he's going to a, a college football game on Saturday night to uh guessing down in Tucson area, Arizona state maybe or is that the the Wildcats? I actually I think you're a Wildcats fan if I remember correctly. So Michael, let us know what game you're going to. Uh and guys, th- this is a Mailbag show. We want as many Possible questions and comments as you possibly can give us uh, help us get, get through this uh, this hour. Obviously, Broncos football is always fun to talk about. We want your guys's feedback. We want your guys's big burning questions. And even if it's not about the you know, even uh, if, if it's not Broncos football, uh, let's let's talk. You know, marital advice. Uh, where where do babies come from? Stuff. That, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But please, any questions you guys have for us, we'll definitely get to those. Uh, Juana Casa, five dollars super chat here saying Josh Jacobs is back. This is the Raiders running back. How will the defense slow him down? Love the show, and thank you, Juan, for the support. This is the first time I've seen your name in here as well, so welcome to the show. We appreciate you for being here, and hopefully you enjoy the conversation. I know you say you love the show, but hopefully we can entertain you here for a little while. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a running back that has gashed the Broncos. It seems like he always has a big game against this Denver defense. Eric, Obviously, with Vance Joseph, the the big run fits and the safety fills, the running back or the linebacker fills in the running Mm -hmm. game. How do you think that they're going to slow down Josh Jacobs this season?
2: Well, Josh Jacobs, it's one of those guys that a lot of Franco fans don't realize realize this. We have never beaten the Raiders when Josh Jacobs has played. Yep. 0 for 7. He has never been held under 50 yards rushing. The closest he got was 53 yards. He has four games over 100 yards. And good thing is, is they've done a little bit of better job keeping him out of the end zone over the last few games. Over the the last four games, he's only picked up three touchdowns um, out of nine total against the Broncos. So at least they're slowing them down a little bit. Um, But I have concerns here. Um, The defensive line was a concern for me going into training camp, and that was before Mm -hmm. the suspension of Uwaz um, uh, watching the defensive line in the preseason, even the starters, they struggled like with the run fills. Um, the linebackers did a pretty good job. The edges did all right, but they went, especially against the first units, uh, the opposing team's first units in game one, game two, they struggled a lot. Um, so I'm a little bit concerned about Josh Jacobs. He's definitely one of the players, uh, to watch out for, probably the biggest threat on the offensive side of the ball from that Raiders team, Raiders team, in my opinion. Yeah, it, and
1: that's that's even well, with Devonte Adams. I, I mean, so it's to, to clarify,
2: is, to clarify the reason why I'm not saying Devonte Adams is because of the quarterback situation, right? So, so that just to clarify, it's not that not a slight against Devonte Adams. It's just the quarterback situation there. I think is going to hurt Devonte Adams' season a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm saying Josh Jacobs.
1: Right. And, and US Dave jumps in here as well, saying, is there any reason to fear Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably not. Um, I, I think that he's quite honestly a bad fit for what uh, Josh McDaniels wants to do, running a lot of the, uh, um, you know, slap, slant, flat concepts, uh, some dig concepts and stuff like that. Jimmy G does a decent job of throwing the ball over the middle of the field, but he's a guy that likes to hold the football a little bit longer, let those routes develop and hit the second window more than play with timing. So to me, that doesn't necessarily make sense for what Josh McDaniels wants to do, where everything is timing based. Like it, That offense mm-hmm. is so based on timing that it's not even funny. Jimmy Garoppolo is not that kind of a player. He's not a timing based guy. He wants to see it and shoot it more than just hit my back foot, let it rip throw us the anticipation. So that's a, a big question mark there. I'm with you though. Josh Jacobs, this offensive line for the Raiders, they always seem to play a lot better against the Broncos defense. Uh, they do a lot of creative running with with Josh Jacobs where they'll run some split flow zone, um, getting one half of the offensive line moving one way, the other half of the offensive line kind of moving in another and just park the Red Sea essentially and create these massive running lanes for a big back in Josh Jacobs. I mean, he's uh, 6'2", I think 215, 220 pounds, something like that runs with a lot of power. You get him against the linebacker, he's a little bit faster than the linebackers are. He overpowers safeties and, and cornerbacks out in the open field. So you can see the uh, the, the uh, broken tackles and, and stuff like that. So it's an intriguing aspect here. I think now, though, with the, with the way that Vance Joseph likes to fill his run fits with the linebackers, making them so much more aggressive into getting into those holes rather than reading and reacting based off of the coverage looks that you're supposed to present – that to me is a big change. I think that the, the the scheme itself and what Dan Joseph wants to do with his linebackers as compared to Jiro uh, Giro Evero and uh, uh, Vic Fangio specifically uh, is definitely going to be a big change for the positive in terms of the Broncos run defense this year.
2: Yeah. Um, it, it's going to help in like Josie Jewel and Alex Singleton. They've shown growth there. Um, and then the Raiders offensive line. Uh, I'm trying to remember who all is on it. Um, but from what I remember, it was a group that I. Hold on, one second. I, I got to pull it up because I can't fully remember it. Um, yeah, they took they took a hit on the the right side, if I remember right, at mm-hmm. right guard. Yeah. But most yeah. of it, it's the returning it's returning guys, and Denver did well against them last year. The mm-hmm. issue that they have though is, especially against the tackles, those tackles do a really good job of letting those edges get upfield too much and then open the lane behind them. Yeah. Um, that is probably one of the best things that Colton Miller can do as a run blocker. Like he just sells that it's good that it's not a run early on, gets the gets the edge to bite, and there's that lane open. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of everything that's got to work in there. Staying disciplined, obviously, with this, and uh, it's just not it's just not a great game to start off the season when you are having a little, not a huge change on defense. But some verbiage change and um, a good amount of moving parts up front uh, yeah. in, on the defensive line. Um, Colby C coming in. Texas Tech at Wyoming is the game he's going at. And I'm is jealous. And then Michael Ronquillo, I, with University of Arizona Wildcats.
1: Yep. I was um, going to say, I. I, I couldn't remember. If I, I, when, it, when I thought about it, I knew that uh, Michael was a, 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 an Arizona wildcat fan, uh, but I'm, I'm jealous of Colby here. He's going to be in Laramie and uh, enjoying that football game. It's an, an evening kick. I believe 7:30 is the start time on that game. I'm going to be watching that game. Hopefully Wyoming. Uh, I haven't really got a chance to pay much attention to the Wyoming Cowboys this year, which is terrible considering I live in the heart of Wyoming, but uh, um I know defensively they're going to look pretty good. I know that uh, quarterback situation is always an interesting situation with the Wyoming Cowboys. So jealous of those guys to be able to go to a football game this weekend. I am super excited for college football this year, and hopefully you guys have have a good time. Enjoy it while you guys are there.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: And Peter Milton came in and he grabbed a comment that that I think is worth talking about here, saying that Powers has to get that contract, has to perform. No argument here. Ben Powers has to do better. However, it is nice that we have a left guard that is at least showing up extremely well as a run blocker. All the focus has been on what he's done as a pass blocker. That is a... That, that's a problem like not trying to undersell that that's that that's a problem it's a huge problem it's a problem he didn't have um in baltimore even with the mm-hmm. scheme he had um when it was in true pa- pass blocking sets he d- still did an extremely good job um so i'm not sure if it's just a chemistry thing verbiage thing because some of the pressures and sacks that he gave up were issues of miscommunications up front but not all of them mm-hmm. some of them were he was just getting beat but at least he should be a significant improvement for the running game. That is something that even against the Cardinals, the game that people really like hammered him for. And then especially he took another step forward against the 49ers. His run blocking this in the preseason was extremely good. Still run blocking alone doesn't equal the value for that contract he got.
1: No, absolutely not. You're, you're talking a, a top five player at the position. I, I think it off the top of my head and, and guys, I apologize for that, but off, I believe it's, a. if it's not a top five, it's definitely a top 10 player paid at the position for, for this season. They need him to be a, a better pass protector. They absolutely need to have that happen. Um, I know that there was a, it was a stunt. He passed off a, a, a twister to Lloyd Cushenberry who had a, a rough time kind of uh, reeling in that stunt. It was a big, I believe it was a sack against the Arizona Cardinals Um, week
2: one. No. What? it was it was an inc- it was I know what play you're talking about. It ended up being an incompletion. It was that uh it was a throwaway um right, that okay. it was. And to be clear, that that wasn't on Ben Powers. That that was, no, it, was
1: it was on Cushionberry, yeah. yes, absolutely. And I'm not trying to put you know put off
2: yeah, I was, trying, I was just I was just trying to clarify for people watching.
1: Right? Yeah. No, and 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 that's fine. And thank you. And thank you for doing that. I always appreciate you for coming in with the with the corrections on stuff like that. It's that's that was something that Ben Powers. That and it's it comes down to the communication aspect of it. Uh, Christian Barry just got straight up beat, but maybe communicating that a little bit better. um, And it's hard to do that in the play; it's 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 damn near impossible to do that. But communicating, understanding what you're supposed to be doing on on a certain play, especially with twists and stunts and stuff like that, from the defensive line, uh, being in in proper communication would definitely help. That Uh, Michael Ronquillo coming back, another star. Go ahead, finish finish your thought. Go ahead.
2: On that, a lot of people. On handling stunts and twists, it's a lot more awareness and communication.
1: Okay.
2: Um, because you're not, you're not sitting there screaming out, "Oh, we have a stunter here!" It's mm-hmm. just it's like unspoken communication, which you got to pick up with your sense. And it was a thing of Lloyd Cushenberry. He's Lloyd Cushenberry. Saw him. He was just late to react to it. He got too busy stuck on that. He got too stuck on that combo block and couldn't get off to seal the edge, which led to the play in and I believe it was an incompletion or it was a, a drop yeah. or something like that. So, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it was a communication error on that one. There was another play later on where um, there was a guy a linebacker lined up in the a gap, and it was clear there was a clear miscommunication there between him and Cushionberry, because they both split taking defensive linemen, and um, I believe Miners and Cushionberry were doubling the defensive linemen, and they just let the linebacker basically go free. Um, that's a, that's a communication error. Right. Um, anyways, Michael, Ricula, as you were saying, he comes in here asking about thoughts on the new linebacker. Um, yeah, we don't need any more Iowa players. Um, that's the, <laughs> we've got too many. Of uh, <laughs> no, I, uh. in all seriousness, he's a solid depth linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, he can contribute on special teams. Like I know it's for the practice squad. Um, but he's, he's a solid guy to have there in case of an injury happens. Um, and he also has that he's got communication down and chemistry with Josie Jewell because they were started a lot of games together at Iowa. Um, so I would have minded if they picked him up and upgraded their number four spot on the on the roster.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
2: So I really I really like this pickup as uh, on, on the practice squad
1: yeah absolutely and uh, to to kind of just bring it full circle here the broncos uh, had originally kept michael bandy the wide receiver uh formerly spent some time with the uh, los angeles Chargers with joe lombardi so that was a big reason why he was brought back uh they released him um well i guess cut him or waived him and then uh signed ben neiman back to the practice squad i'm with you on this one uh it, it's a big special teams upgrade and i know that you and i have talked privately a little bit i'm going to bring some inside baseball here but i know that the uh, special teams coordinators and the special teams coaches specifically really liked michael bandy and what he brought to the the team in terms of special teams prowess he may not have been a guy to go out there and catch a bunch of footballs even though he was a reliable pass catcher for sure but to just upgrade the the, the practice squad here get a guy they didn't have any off uh off-ball linebackers i know they had a, a couple of edge players there they didn't have any off-ball linebackers to really help the depth of this team and while I do like what Justin Sernata has shown this season, specifically moving away from the football and coverage, he's still an unreliable player, a quality player in terms of special team stuff. But to get another guy that has experience in this Vance Joseph defense, has experience playing quality special teams for the Arizona Cardinals, um, that, that I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a really, really fine pickup. I want to kind of keep this conversation going with the, the practice squad here because Thomas Hall and I talked about this on Wednesday on his show. If you guys get the opportunity here after the fact, make sure you go uh, check that on Mile High Huddle's YouTube page or wherever you guys get your guys' podcast, But this this practice squad and probably the most notable thing that we've seen in terms of how this roster and practice squad was built is really derived from what their ability is as special teams player. I mean, obviously, Ben DiNucci is not going to do anything like that. He's a quarterback, but Philip Dorsett, Art Green, Marcus Haynes, another undrafted free agent. Lil Jordan Humphreys played a lot of special team snaps. You got uh guys like De- uh, Devon Key, Lucas Kroll. Um, you're you're gonna get um Ben Neiman. You've got David Sills, Dwayne Washington. These guys are all quality special teams. Teams players. And that was one of the biggest focuses, at least in my key takeaways of how this roster was built. And honestly, I'm surprised that they didn't figure out a way to keep Aaron Patrick, who was one of the better special teams players for the Broncos over the past couple of seasons. Eric, I want your thoughts here. What do you think of the practice squad in terms of that aspect of, of this team and how it was constructed?
2: Well, I mean, we made, they made it clear that special teams is going to be a focus to improve, which watching the special teams unit last year, it's easy to understand why. Um, you mentioned Aaron Patrick um they liked him he did a good job on special teams in the preseason Thomas and Coom just did a better job mm-hmm. and Thomas and Coom did a better job on defense yeah um especially especially when it mattered in that final in that preseason finale um he was pretty much M- mia against the uh Cardinals he did a little bit better against the the 49ers and then he really blew uh came onto the scene so they're rotating it and while they like michael bandy on 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 special teams it's as a returner and they have other guys that can sit there and add insurance for it but the coverage unit um i wouldn't be surprised if we see one call up a week be somebody to help um finish out the special teams units that they have uh i like what they're doing it's still really early and i'm always i'm a firm believer in just constantly churning not only the practice squad but the bottom of the roster that 53rd guy like if they're not doing it then don't waste your time with them. Move on. Like Big believer yeah. in that. Sit there and try to help you find some gems and everything. Guys mm-hmm. who can sit there and handle it. Um, got a couple questions here real quick that I just want to go th- go through real quick. Um, we got Pearl Heater coming in. Will Vance Joseph stuff going to zone coverage in the last four minutes of the game? Um, I think in the regular season, we'll see, a lot, see him mix it up a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the preseason, most teams go to zone coverage in the final minutes of the game. Yeah, it, It's just what it is. It's a safety thing. They don't want their own guys to get hurt. They don't want to hurt anybody on the other team. Um, it's evaluation purposes uh, more so than about winning the game, um, even though, of course, coaches and players, they want to win the game. They understand that evaluation that is more important. Here's an interesting question from Peter Middleton. Would you make all of our running backs active for this game?
1: Yes, absolutely. You have to. Uh, they, they've got, uh, well, I I guess if you're, if you're talking activating Tyler Beatty on this one, maybe he can help you with some special team stuff, but uh, at least the, the first three definitely going to be active on there. Beatty is the interesting one. Um, do, do they or no Tony Jones signed with the, the, the New Orleans Saints. Let me just correct that right yeah. away. I know, I know that's not right. Activating Tyler Beatty though, that would be the interesting one here. And I think that it would have to be in terms of a special teams player there um, specifically on, on coverage. The coverage units, uh, whether it's kickoff coverage or punt coverage, uh, I don't think they're going to use him as a returner. They hadn't at least shown that in the preseason games. Not that he had the opportunity to, to do so, but even in practice, I don't think that baby was out there catching kickoffs or catching punts and stuff like that. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin did have a 43 yard kickoff return uh, in the, uh, I believe it was the 49ers game. Yep. So to me, those, those, those three, obviously the top three are going to be active. And I think Jaleel McLaughlin's is going to have a, a, a big role here. I don't know if they're they're going to activate baby though. Eric, what do you think?
2: Um, I think if they're going to act, if they're going to call up one of the practice squad running backs, um, Dwayne Washington, is probably a little bit more likely just because what he can do yeah. on special teams a little bit and just give Tyler Beatty a little bit more time. I mean, um, feel bad for the guy. Uh, injury obviously injury is what lost him the third running back spot Um or led to it we don't know if he would have won it for sure if, even if he didn't get hurt but it just the injury just gave uh, McLaughlin those extra reps Um I, I think he's more insurance if something happens to McLaughlin Dwayne Washington he was brought in for what he can do on special teams more than on offense so if they do call somebody up it's him I don't think they do I think they're just ready to roll with the three running backs they have on the on the roster and keep moving forward uh real quick question for me from Richie Richie have it's been a long time Richie it's great to see you in here I mean Rich, what's up, it feels like it's been over it feels like it's been over here. a year since we've oh, yeah. since we've seen you in here um he's asking me since you since you hate Star Wars Lance um he's asking thoughts on the new series which are being hey. released I'll put a good dynamic here with the two of you we appreciate that um Lance and I we talk about it often. Um, there's times where, I mean, I get accused of bullying him. I get accused of uh, being mean and everything. Uh, all of it, 100 percent true. Um, but no, uh, Lance is a good dude. <laughs> you, and caught just, the... have...
1: <laughs> you caught me in the middle of a drink. I damn near spit my drink out all over my camera just now.
2: <laughs> um, we just, we're both passionate, and we just talk to each other as we talk to each other, even in, in chat, like when we're just texting each other, um, and we've always we've always believed in bringing who we are with each other to the screen in front of everybody as for your star wars question um i have not watched the third episode of ahsoka yet um super excited for it uh i liked the first two episodes i have some issues with it um but i am really behind on my star wars shows uh i haven't finished watching Andor. um i haven't i'm not caught up on the animated shows that they've done star wars vision season Two. And the Bad Batch, um, but yeah, is it, I, I have issues with the direction that Star going in. Same thing with Marvel. But this is the Broncos chat, so back to that. Zach Perry is coming in asking me another question, real quick. Eric, have you started looking towards next next year's draft yet? Any names you like? Go ahead, Lance.
1: Well, I I was just going to say to to your point about Eric and I uh, and and how we operate our show, uh, a big thing. And everyone's like, it's nice to hear Lance be able to talk and and not get bullied or whatever. Guys, get that out of your heads. I asked Eric to drive me and to to make me as a better person privately. Like there's something that I wanted him to do. So just for for that aspect of it. And I know we've got a a handful of comments about that recently, specifically over the past about month or so. um, And when I do other shows. I asked Eric to to push me and to be a better a, be a better host of the show to be a better analyst. So, um if we if we need to dial that back a little bit then then we can adjust on that, but just let it be known Eric and I are really good friends. We talk all the time. And, literally every day we talk. And it, it, I have become a lot better as an analyst over the past year after I asked Eric to do that.
2: And I did not, in no way, shape or form, buy him off to say that by paying for a ticket when we go to the, the Tigers game. No way. Uh, anyways, I have. I actually started looking into it in, so draft ended in May, or the right there at the start of May. And I typically take the month of May off. Um, this year, went down for to Colorado on a vacation for a wedding. Um, good friend of the show's wedding. Um, when I got back, I took a little bit extra weeks, a couple weeks off and... Uh, just to like relax and get back into it but i took that time looking at it um the tackle out of georgia really enticing for me um yeah mims um names uh names i'm gonna be terrible with at this moment um not committing any of them to memory especially underclassmen because they still have a chance to declare um a lot of edge rushers a lot of offensive linemen that i've been looking at um, a lot of quarterbacks, just because quarterbacks this year are, are so prominent with so many guys out there. Obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Bo Nix, uh, sure. Michael Penix. So so many quarterbacks, po- potential quarterbacks in this year's class. Um, but, yeah, there, there's, quite a, there's a couple edges there that are really sending out to me um, and a couple of tackles, too. And I'll be curious to see where the Broncos end up because, unfortunately, I think some of those tackles that entice me the most are going to be guys that are going to be out of the Broncos' range with where I'm ex- projecting them to end up. Um, yeah, you've
1: got, you've got Mims from Georgia. You've got uh, Fashanu from Penn State. There's a, a USC left tackle. His name escapes me right now. Um, th- those guys are probably going to be top 10 to 12 picks this year. Um, Mims may be a top five pick. Uh, Fashanu may- is probably the second best player in this class, quite honestly. Um the the USC kid, I haven't really got a chance to look, but I know there's a lot of hype there. I, I do got a question for you though. Going back to the quarterback position, obviously with Russell Wilson, we don't know how this is gonna play out. But a guy that I liked at Wake Forest last season, Sam Hartman, transferred to Notre Dame. I like him, especially with Sean Payton. Throws with timing, has decent accuracy, not the greatest athlete, but what do you think of Sam Hartman? You hate he, him. He's he one of those him. guys I don't even I don't even I don't even need your commentary. You you hate him. You I hate don't. him because I like him.
2: Is. yeah totally just because you like him no I liked him at <laughs> Wake Forest it's just the thing of like he's a great college quarterback mm-hmm. I'm not sure he'll be a great NFL quarterback right uh, I think I think he'll be a capable backup spot starter um of course I haven't really dug into him so take this with a grain of salt um it was just an initial watch and I was actually watching um somebody else on Wake Forest one of their offensive linemen if I remember correctly um Zach Tom, where I said most of it, and I haven't watched his game from Notre Dame this year yet. Um, but yeah, he's he, to me right now, he's a day three guy that you look at as developing into a backup and spot starter that can maybe become a you know that uh, um, that bridge quarterback type. Right. Um, Troy Boer coming in um, as to saying, tell telling that Reisner is still not signed. Yeah, it is. Um, not not. This is going to come off as me being uh, a butthead, but uh, it's not overly surprising to me. Like I'll say, as I did expect that he would sign somewhere, especially like just to get a shot as a backup because of the amount mm-hmm. of experience he is. But I am not shocked he didn't get a sh- look at as a starter. He was terrible last year. He, as much as like Lloyd Cushenberry and Dalton Reisner were neck and neck for the worst offensive lineman for the Broncos last year, they were awful um so so i'm not surprised that he hasn't signed and then there's some stuff there that uh just not to get into that's not off the football field that's more personal stuff that a lot of rumors and rumblings going on that are just weird and interesting um and i gotta shout out my fellow alaskan um hello from windy homer alaska yeah it's windy here too um some areas here have uh, had their power knocked out and just before we went live uh, i had my whole internet and cell phone service actually get knocked out too Mm -hmm. Um, Rich coming in with another question Eric I really thought that Seth Benson would look better than he did What are your and Lance's thoughts on him Lance what were your thoughts on Seth Benson
1: I didn't really pay attention much to him To tell you the truth Um, So (laughs) like I don't have a whole lot of thoughts On that he was A a rotational player uh, On the offensive line for me So I I really don't have much comment For him so that's where I'm going to Just end that conversation
2: for me (laughs) There were multiple plays where like He read it He was, like, in coverage, too. Like, he was reading it. He was getting into position. But you could just see that he does not have the athleticism for the NFL. Instincts are great. His awareness is great. But you still have to have the athletic boost for it. He's such a plotter. Um, I was disappointed with how bad he looked on special teams, though. I thought he would look a little bit better. Because those plotter guys, they can make a living off of special teams um and a length and a pretty lengthy career out of it and just didn't see that from him mm-hmm. um i didn't haven't seen if he picked up elsewhere if he did maybe he shows more but i am not at all shocked that he didn't make it i know a couple people thought that he was one one of the undrafted free agents to watch because of his smarts and everything but even at linebacker, like you still have to be at least have some athleticism to work with as a uh linebacker in the nfl right. um I, I got we a have, question uh, here.
1: There's a question what? I've been sitting on here really fat for a, a, probably about 15 minutes. I'm going to do some shameless plugging here. (laughs) Uh, Zach power jumping in here. What is your, your uh, third year grade of how George Payton has managed the team? And this to me is something I got pretty passionate about this, especially at the the tail end of July. I did the five best moves that George Payton made and the five worst moves that George Payton made. And I also highlighted um, the decision of George Payton to draft Pat Sertan over uh, Justin Fields with his first ever draft pick as the Broncos GM. And when you look at all of those moves, I mean, drafting Nick Benito was was one, um, signing Melvin Gordon back to, to another contract, uh, just a handful of questionable moves. He's really kind of held up by that 2021 NFL draft class. Guys like Baron Browning, you know, Quinn Miners, Javante Williams, Pastor Tan, obviously. Honest question here. So sorry for, to, sorry to
2: interrupt. I just have an honest question like here. It. Can we really count Baron Browning, though? with how little no, he is actually seen the field like yeah. okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly and i know that I, i'm i'm high on Baron browning and hopefully he comes back healthy but the injuries i, I can't i can't fault a guy for for being injured all the time yeah. like, like you, there's a point where you can but when when you're out there getting your you know like getting your knee tore up having shoulder injuries stuff like that football happens man like it's a 100% injury rate no matter what happens you're going to be hurt Baron Browning has suffered the, the tough end of the stick here in terms of having these injuries, but the talents there he, when he's on the field, this dude is a fantastic football player. And George Payton. Yeah. George Payton did a good job at at least identifying the talent. It's unfortunate. He hasn't been able to play. So that does go as a ding for that, but I don't blame that on George Payton. He just, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't, the talent found
2: yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like put it fully on George Payton's fault because injuries, as you said, they do happen. It just sucks. Cause this is like what his mm-hmm. seventh injury Mm-hmm. that will cause them to miss time in three years. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's really rough for him. Cause when he's on the field, even at linebacker, he was flashing his rookie season got moved to edge. And then like, he started that last season outstandingly for the Broncos as an edge. Um, and then he kind of faltered a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I mean like it, it was a good pick, but injuries have derailed it. And overall injuries do go into part of the evaluation, mm-hmm. um, for it. Uh, but I agree with you. I do think George, George Payton's overall resume is really boosted by that, you know, by um, Patrick Chatan who was who viewed as such a safe pick by so many, and mm-hmm. Javante Williams. Like, it's so boosted by that um, that a lot of his other moves and issues that he's had get a little bit overlooked or downplayed because say what you want about last year, like, all the issues there, Nathaniel Hackett, huge issue. Who hired him? Mm-hmm. Um, Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson has a chance, has a chance to turn around, but Denver got fleeced for that in that trade. Like even mm-hmm. before, like even before we saw him on the field, they gave up a lot for the guy, and yeah. then have knowing they had to give him a big contract because that was part of it, um, yeah. and then doing that contract. Like there, there's a lot there with it. Um, it's a big reason why I think next year he'll be working for another team. I don't think he makes it through January with the Broncos personally.
1: I, I'm, I, I'm with you on that. And that was something that I it came to with one of my conclusions after the three piece articles uh, that I, that I did make sure you guys go check that out, please. Uh, it's, it's at milehighhuddle.com If you, if you just Google articles by Lance Sanderson, mile high huddle, you will be able to find it. It, it. It's easy enough to do, but that's my, my biggest takeaway on this is I'm not sure that George Payton, even with the rapport that he has seemingly had with um, with Sean Payton over this first year, Everything that has happened since Sean Payton has been hired has been in Sean Payton's vision. He's the one running the team. George is just kind of pulling the strings for the most part. Like he's he's the one that's checking off the boxes and, and finding and signing the guys that uh Sean Payton wants to have in this organization. Like that's a that's he's, that's a big thing for me. It's a telling sign of what his status is in this organization right now.
2: The tra- the trades that he makes, the signings that he makes, the draft picks that he makes. is Sean Payton telling him go do this. It's, right. it was made clear in that opening pre- opening the, the hiring press conference of Sean Payton that Sean Payton is the boss in Denver. And one oh. thing I will say that is absolutely hilarious to me and I don't think a lot of people catch this. George Payton brought in 2021, right? What has he said consistently about Sean Payton? George Payton has been here for 2 years and one thing he constantly says is that it's nice to have a guy who is bringing accountability into the building. That is a red flag yep. for me coming from the general manager who is entering, who, who's been with the team as long as he has, like that right. you are praising the coach, this coach that you weren't really part of hiring because the ownership, the new ownership stepped in and like, yeah, we want to get this done. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there saying, "Is like, it's nice to have a guy bring an account, bring accountability. It's like shooting yourself in the foot, essentially with George Payton. Cause it's like, Hey, we finally did something that I wasn't able to do. Uh, so not trying to slam George Payton. He's a nice guy. He's good at ev- talent evaluator in the draft. Um, even though like, e- even though uh, his draft classes are boosted by, you know, th- those co- first couple picks in, uh, 2021. It was still on him to go find those guys and some guys over the last two like last year are looking good. Nick Benito's looking like he's ready to mm-hmm. prove you and I wrong with our opinions on him. And yep. Uh, yep. I wish he will. Um, but moving on, we have uh. Michael Ronquillo coming in asking which quarterback in college football would fit the that fits the Sean Payton offense. Um, Let's. I'll take you this for for you. Let you take this first because I have a uh, what might be a little bit of a controversial opinion here.
1: So. It's hard because I really haven't like dove into this quarterback class. Obviously, Caleb Williams, Drake May, uh, guys, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr. Those are going to be the top guys here. I, I think the guy that I brought up specifically just a, a couple of minutes ago, and Sam Hartman, really fits with what Sean Payton wants to do um, in, in terms of throwing with timing and accuracy like that. And I know Eric, you have uh, um, questions about his ability to translate to the NFL level, but that's the one thing that I do think with with translating from college to the NFL. And I'm curious to see what it looks like with uh, with Notre Dame this season, because Wake Forest doesn't run an offense that translates to the NFL very well, unless you're throwing to the outside and with timing. Um, Harpin gets away with a lot of mistakes, and I, I will definitely say that. But the fact that he hits his back foot and he lets the ball rip, that's something to me that can translate. Um I know that everyone's going to want to highlight guys like Casey Thompson in Nebraska, who I think is just terrible after rewatching him. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a guy at Texas that I think would fit pretty decently well with Sean Payton. Um, I know there's a, a kid in Florida State, Jordan Travis. I've, I've heard a lot of uh, good things about him, but I haven't really dove in uh, like taking a deep dive into his tape yet. So, um I know that's not like a, a great answer here. I, I'll just go with Hartman because he was the one that really stood out to me the most last season, especially with what Sean Payton wants to do. That's the guy that I'll just kind of highlight here. But, but, Eric, I'm curious on your fits here for this uh, for the quarterback for Sean Payton's offense.
2: I am not a fan of Bo Nix and Michael Penix in this offense.
1: Uh, right, yeah. I, I, I can agree with that. Those, I can absolutely agree with that.
2: Those are especially... – I have a hard time with Bo because I cannot forget how terrible he was mm-hmm. at Auburn. And then he's going to an offense that 90% of his passes are at the line of scrimmage or within five yards beyond it mm-hmm. or behind the line of scrimmage to five yards beyond it. Um, and Michael Penix is pretty similar in that way. They both have issues attacking deep. Um, that really bothers me. Uh, Jordan Travis and Riley Leonard are two guys that, interest me, depending on where they go. And I'm, I'm not going to be talking about Caleb, Caleb Williams or Drake May, because unless Denver ends up with the first or second pick, I don't think they they have a shot at either of them. Me uh, but uh, Jordan Travis and Riley Leonard, Duke uh, for Riley Leonard and uh, for Jordan Travis, those are guys who interest, interest me because they can they have that velocity to make the throw. I don't think mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers is going to declare this year, but he is one that I think could work. I don't like Jaden Daniels, and I don't like KJ Jefferson in this offense either um this is an op- yeah. this is their their placement and timing is so inconsistent and the fact that they are run, uh, both run first quarterbacks essentially um i just don't think that's there one guy though Dylan Von Arks big fan of Gray- Grayson McCall i think yes. he'll probably end up being a day 3 guy he's not he, he's similar in how i view Hartman though not for the same reasons uh, McCall for me is another guy that maybe a high quality backup spot starter guy not a future really as the guy for a franchise well unless he can surprise, he can really surprise me um i think he's i think he's gonna be a early day three guy um but he's the guy that if you want to raise the floor of your room a little bit i like grayson mccall Mm -hmm. in the offense especially the offense we're seeing from from gonna see the from the broncos this year with the Mm -hmm. passing offense specifically
1: yeah and, and and Grayson mccall is a guy that i really like a lot um he's still kind of unrefined as a passer really good mobility and what coastal carolina does with him is they they run a lot of rpo looks where it's uh either hand the ball off or we're gonna run some quick screen stuff like that they do throw some some stuff down the middle um that really matches with what sean payton likes to do in terms of running uh Uh, you know uh, deep dig routes, uh, some, some sale routes on the outside. They also run a lot of crossing routes in that offense, but it's not, it's not necessarily a a drop back passing offense. It is a bunch of RPO stuff there. So it's kind of take it with a grain of salt. A guy in that same kind of mold here talking about like air raid stuff. If you want a guy that really just throws the football all over the field. um, Cam Ward from Washington state is an interesting one. And there's some athleticism with this kid too. He can move if you need him to, uh, but again, raw as a an actual like reading defense quarterback player, more athlete than quarterback that throws the football all over the yard in that air raid raw offense under Mike Leach. What do you think of Cam Ward?
2: Um, I got to see more out of him. It's the same thing with Riley Leonard and Jordan Travis, to be fair. Like I got to see more out of them as well. Um, I've seen people having both of them in like the first and second round. I'm not there yet with either of them. I'm not there with Cameron, with Cam Ward. All three of them for me are day three guys at the moment because I got to see more. They all lack, lack enough experience for me to be comfortable enough to put them there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an interesting sure. fellow, but that offense that he plays in, time and time again, we see huge numbers, huge production, and then we just don't see it. Tra- it doesn't translate to the NFL. Um, yeah. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on. We got Gary Colmer coming in. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate this. Thanks, GLP. All- calling you out when you're listening to it later. It says, guys, I'll watch later. Love your show. Go Broncos and Buck them. Um yeah, I mean, thank you for Thank you for the donation. We appreciate it. Um are you gonna be at the meet and greet this year? I can't remember. I know last year um things with led up to last year and you going it, it was great to great to meet you last year and uh, it'd be great to see you again. Um guys we got we're down to the last few minutes even though we've only been live for a little About fifty minutes because a late start. Um, We've only got about five to ten minutes left before we have to get out of here. You know, Facebook creates issues when we go to publish articles and everything like that. That's why we have such a we have a hard time limit. But Mike Ronquillo coming in, Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. There, there he is again versus Mm -hmm. LSU quarterback Jay Daniels. Is must college football game to watch on Sunday. Um, Let's hear. uh, Last year's game was epic at the end of the game. Um, Yeah, I mean, like it's one of those games that I'll be highlighting. Um, there's multiple draft prospects in it that I'll probably end up going over and watching. Uh, probably not next week, probably the week after. Hopefully I'll have a cut up by then. Um, but it's one of the games that I have highlighted for like a big game for this year for yeah. multiple draft prospects.
1: Well, I, I know that the, the Florida State offense, not only with Jordan Travis, they've got a running back and a handful of wide receivers. This offense is going to be very explosive from what I understand. I don't know their names off the top of my head. Like Eric said, I'm not – committing this stuff to memory as of right now but listening to guys like uh connor rogers trevor sykema um they, they work with a uh, pro football focus have their show the uh um nfl stock exchange you've got guys like kyle krabs joe marino with uh locked on nfl scouting like they they have all said this florida state offense is going to be very fun to watch so that's something i have pegged for sunday If i'm not redoing my kitchen at that particular point, we're doing some remodeling in-house. But anyways, um, let's see here. Eric, is there anything else you wanted to kind of dive into or is this a good opportunity for us to kind of um, work see our here. way out of here? There, there was another question I wanted to grab. Um, it was right after the uh, the uh, George Payton comment that we got um, that well, seen well, i oh Well, you look
2: were- for that one. I'm going to grab this one here from Todd Osendorf. Thank you, Todd, for joining us. Um, hello to you. I saw your hello in the chat. Says, I wonder if the receivers we picked up will see the field unless there are injuries. I imagine we could see a lot of two to three tight end sets. Um, well, for the receivers that they picked up, two of them are probably Sills and Dorsett. Um, Sills will help out on special teams. I, I think mm-hmm. that's. I think he has a chance to be called up early um, to help with that. Humphrey, I think, could be called up as, called up for the game one just to help out that receiver room a little bit that only has three healthy receivers. But even then. I think throughout the whole season, I think we're going to see a high. How do I put this? Especially a high um, high percentage of two to three tight end sets, and compared to the rest of the NFL, mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to see it like sixty percent of the time. But I think twenty to thirty percent of the time, which is high for the NFL with how it is yes. nowadays. Um, that's that's where I think the Broncos will be with those two to three tight end sets, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to see a lot of it. Watch for Greg Dulcich on the boundary and in the slot a lot. I would bet that he's that like 80% plus of his snaps this year are coming from the slot or boundary and yep. not in line yep. um, mm-hmm. just to, just to use them in the way that they envision as that joker on this offense. That's kind of what I'm expecting about it. And then using your blockers inside um, Adam Trotman blocking is a big reason why he's tight end one. They can use Nate Atkins in there as well. Chris, depending on Chris Mann hurts his health. Um, so they definitely have, They have those blockers to help Dulcich stand out in the passing game and still keep the running game uh, being a threat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to – uh expand a little bit on your uh wide receiver comments there a guy that i know that the broncos were interested in and he was actually not waived or released by the new orleans saints traquan smith had a surgery so he's going to be out for a little a uh, little bit of time uh, that was a, a guy that i was very intrigued by in terms of the connection with sean payton what the broncos needed in terms of deep uh, deep threat uh Dylan von Hart jumping in here jared verse florida state yes sir that's a dog. That- that's a dog. He's going to be a top 10 pick. I think he's going to I, – I really do think he's going to be a top 10 pick. He might be edge number one in this class. This dude is freaking uh, – I almost cussed. He is absolutely spectacular. Absolutely – bursty, bendy. He's got speed that power to everything you want out of a quality edge. And if I remember correctly, he was a New Hampshire Greyhound at one point and then transferred to Florida State last season and then uh, became uh, one of the most talked about – uh Edge defender prospects, and then decided to go back to Florida State. So yes, Jared Verse drip. Let's go. I'm I'm all the way here for that. I found the question I wanted. It was from our guy. Actually, the the same guy asked the the George Payton question. Zach Powers jumping in here, and I think this is a great way to end the show. I, I really do think this is a great a great question to kind of close us out here tonight. We got about five minutes or so. Uh, before we have to get out of here. Zach Powers coming in saying, grade of the Broncos roster versus the rest of the league. Is it the 15 to 20 range? Eric, I'm going to let you go here for a second because I I think I have a controversial take here.
2: Uh, If you want to just look at the the first units, I think they're close to 10. Um, Looking at the roster as a whole, I'd probably put them around 15 to 20. A lot of positions with questionable depth.
1: I actually, I'm surprised that you said that because I was about to say the exact same thing. And a lot of it depends on what quarterback one looks like, Russell Wilson. But I, I like the offensive line. Uh, we're going to see what Mike McGlinchey looks like here soon. And I think that's going to be obvious an obvious upgrade over what Isaiah Prince, Cam Fleming, um, even Alex Polcheski, who I liked in the preseason, by the way. Uh, having a starter caliber player out there and Mike McGlin, is going to be big for this offensive line. I think you're going to see some better um, scheming to design what this offense should actually look like, but Cortland Sutton. um, And I think Brandon Johnson and Jerry Judy is a a decent trio. I wish we had Tim Patrick still the defense though, really carries this unit aside from the defensive line. You've got quality depth at the edge. You've got quality depth and starters at linebacker. The secondary is one of the best in the NFL. I, I think they have a, a, a probably number twelve. I would say roster uh, without looking at everything. You know, and just doing the, this off the top of my head, top twelve roster in terms of starters. Depth drops it to like twenty five, in my opinion. This this team is not deep enough to actually compete for a major major competitive spot this season, especially if the injuries continue to mount up like they have so far.
2: Well, at least we know for sure from the preseason they're not thirty second or thirty first. that's true the arizona cardinals and los angeles rams depth is absolutely atrocious Mm -hmm. before we get out of here michael ronquillo saying great show tonight lance and eric on the dove valley deep divers go broncos and buckham uh buckham not you know the other word um stupid youtube um (laughs) anyways thank you michael for joining us thank you everybody for all your stars and super chats we are Sincerely sorry for the technical delays that we had to start the show and the technical issues we've had over the last few weeks. Um, Hopefully, with the seasons getting ready to start, um, those will go away. Um, But next week, we will definitely be digging into the Raiders game um, as regular season... I mean, at this point next week, our regular season will be underway. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you guys for that. I'm going to pass it off to Lance so he can do all of his end-of-show uh, rambling
1: (laughs) and show rambling. If you guys stick around, I do appreciate that, but uh, thank you all again for joining us on Dove Valley deep divers. Like Eric said, next week, we're going to be diving into the, the Las Vegas Raiders roster, identifying key matchups, really high quality pregame stuff. We're going to be doing this season. Thank you all for joining us here. You guys can follow us on Twitter by finding me at Lance S underscore. MHH for Eric at Eric trickle. Also guys, while you guys are at it, please make sure you guys are following at mile high huddle. That is the mother account where you guys find breaking news and analysis, opinion articles, film breakdowns, uh, everything Broncos. You're going to find it there at mile high huddle. Facebook users, please make sure you guys log in and then join the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Great way to keep up with the conversation. Join everybody here in our wonderful huddle up podcast community as well if you guys are financially able to do so please head on over to mhhmerch.com that's a where you guys can get yourself hats t-shirts coffee cups face masks anything to support your favorite show here on the mile high huddle podcast network we definitely appreciate that and if you guys are not financially able to do so in terms of going to the merch tent or even you know um stars super chats any kind of donations it, 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 we appreciate that it, it 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 helps keep the lights on for sure. But what really does help the most is down at the bottom of your screen, the three things that I've been preaching here for what, four years now that we've been doing this show, subscribe guys to Mile High Huddle across all social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, no matter where you guys get your, uh, your podcast content, please subscribe to Mile High Huddle. It helps out a lot. Like every video you guys see or article you guys see across all those platforms as well. And if you love it, If you love what we do here at Mile High Huddle, please share it because we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos without your guys' support. Now, Eric, with that, uh, any big plans this weekend other than diving into some college football?
2: Oh, no. Um, I don't watch college football live. Nope, (laughs) not for me. Um, Very rarely will I turn on a game live and watch it, and that's strictly out of pure boredom. Um, Yeah, so probably not, Um, but since we're talking about that real quick, just a couple questions. Todd Osdorff, are you already starting to watch game tape on petition draft picks, Eric? Yes, I started in June. Um, I've probably put in since June, I've probably already put in about 50 to 100 hours worth of watching tape, uh, on different college prospects. Um, much to the, um, the right word, uh, just the, to the yeah, of my family. Um, they're rather not happy. Michigan's one of them. They have like eight offensive linemen that people are saying that. Obviously, you have your five starters, and then after that, the other three, they're not probably not going to see the field a whole lot outside of injuries. And yet, people that I've talked to are like, "Oh yeah, all eight of these guys could end up drafted. The three who aren't going to be starting are three guys who could start on just about any other offensive line in college football. It was Absolutely just, insane. I- They've got a couple of really good defensive backs. One thing I will say about them, I hate the quarterback. Drives me nuts. Not an NFL quarterback. Yeah. I will stand by that. J- J- uh, anyways, guys, Jake McCarthy, right? Yeah, McCarthy. Yeah. The Last JJ. thing, I hope to see all of you guys there, everybody who's making it at on October 22nd with the Green Bay Packers. Um, part of the reason why is my brother is terrible. Uh, my brother's going with me, and um, Broncos don't win when he even watches, like, five minutes of a football game on TV. Um, I've already told him if the Broncos lose this game, he's walking home. Uh, <laughs> he, he lives not far from where I'm at now. Uh, but on that note, it's like, I'm going to need a lot of people to help just like tar and feather him if Denver loses this game and Nick as well, because Nick, Denver's number one when Nick's been at the building. So uh going to need help tar, tar and feathering those guys. So yeah. And, you guys.
1: And, and as Eric is alluding to here, the mile high huddle meet and greet October 22nd. That's week seven against the Green Bay Packers in Denver. More details to be released on that as we get closer to that. Fairly certain parking lot C is where we're going to be hanging out with everybody. But again, tune in to the Mile High Huddle podcast with Chad and Zach on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday to make sure you guys get all of the critical details you need for that. I'm going to be there as well this season, so I'm very looking forward to joining everybody here. Have a good weekend in Denver. Enjoy the game, and thanks again to Eric for my uh, sponsored post here of how him and I actually get along and you guys just don't understand, <laughs> but uh, no, Eric was kind enough to actually uh, to help get me a ticket. So I do appreciate him for that. But anyways, guys, we all appreciate and love you guys' support. We appreciate everybody for being here and joining us on a wonderful Friday evening to break down the Denver Broncos. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always go Broncos, we will see you guys same time, same place next week.
0: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with
1: Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson.